Hey, what's up, family? It's Coach Josh. Welcome to another live Q&A. Hope you all are doing exceptionally well on this magnificent Monday. Hope you guys are starting off this week with significant and strong momentum, uh, uh, positioning you to be successful by the end of the week. But for those who join me for the very first time, I want to say thank you so much for joining me. I want to introduce myself. My name is Joshua, as also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. Now, after watching this, you're like, man, I like this guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe because I would love to be a coach here online. But for those who've been rocking with me, you've been a subscriber for 14 years. I've been following me for however long. I want to say thank you all so much for trusting what God's entrusted to me. And I pray it continues to be treasured. But as everyone is coming in live, getting their questions ready, I want to give you a word that I feel uh, will benefit you. About three years ago today, um, on my Facebook memories, I posted this quote that says, let me make sure I read it uh, accurately. It says, don't always be present. Balance people out with your absence. Don't always be present. Balance people out with your absence. I just want to encourage you today to really examine your presence. If your presence is truly a present, then some people don't need or deserve your presence. And some of those people need to be served your absence. A lot of people that's around us today are just draining. They're not helping you to gain. They're just draining. And a lot of us, we have to realize how significant our presence is, how significant our energy is, how significant our advice is, how significant. And then when you continuously give and give and give to people who are draining you, then my friend, it's time to give you their, give them your absence. And it's okay. A lot of people, they just feel obligated to serve people who are not uh, taking uh, advantage of or not being or not um, taking seriously your presence. And my friend, it's time for, the, for you to go. Just want to encourage you on that today. Is there anyone that has any questions? We're going to go ahead and get started. I'm going to start doing these live Q&As at 3 p.m. Uh, the later I get to, you know, these live Q&As, the longer I stay up. And so I just want to make sure I get uh, these early. So I'm going to wait for you guys. To drop your questions in. Cataligo says, hey, coach, hand pink, pink waving. Thank you for waving. Good to see you. Jody Summer says, what should couples do to prepare for marriage? Great question. What should couples do to prepare for marriage? Well, before a couple becomes a couple, they have to be an individual. And as a person uh, who is an individual, they got to make sure that they are who they need to be. And so if you're already a couple, here are some things that you need to do to prepare for marriage. Number one, you have to ask yourself, are we both rooted individually in a solid relationship with God? See, most people, they're looking for a collective relationship versus an individualized relationship with God. So you have to have a solid individual relationship with God to be able to supplement and complement your position in a marriage. If not, then my friend, you have no conduit for God's power to go through to help you to sustain a level of preparation. See, the goal is not to get prepared, but to sustain preparation. It is through the sustaining uh, 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 engagement and fellowship with God that sustains a husband to stay a husband that sustains a wife to stay operating at a wife at a high level and that's imperative because a lot of people they want those relationship goals where you're reading the bible together and you're praying together and you're encouraging each other together but what happens when that person falls off or what happens when you have to pull from your faith 
and not a collective faith. Because what if they're drained of faith or tired or weary and y'all are trying to come together? You have to already have came together with God so that when y'all come together, you're providing a substantial amount of substance that will sustain your part and the marriage from your end. The second thing that a couple needs to prepare for in regards to marriage is to deciding household roles. Determining and deciding household roles. Not all wives cook. Some husbands like to cook. But you have to start deciding what will, how will the home function? How will the home function? function because a lot of people they'll they desire marriage don't have they don't take the necessary time to ask certain questions and then when they get into a home together or up under a house together the home don't function and if the home don't function all you have is a hollow house all you you think you think a haunted house is worse a hollow house is because you got two people and the house is not becoming a home because there's no household home holding up roles. The third thing that a couple has to do to prepare for marriage is to make sure that both individuals love marriage more than the idea of being married. People care more about getting married than actually sustaining a marriage. You have to love marriage, the idea and the actual original design of marriage. If not, you're not going to last. You have to be a worker is what I'm saying. Nobody goes into any league and has success if they care more about scoring than they do uh, everything that goes with the process. You have to love marriage in its totality. And when you see marriage for what it really is, then you will see the magnitude of it. And then you want to see if I match the magnitude. Because marriage is huge. And if you don't love marriage, just like any career, if you don't love the career, then you're going to disappear, right? But if you love marriage and how God structured it, then you don't mind submitting and you don't mind sacrificing. You don't mind the trials and the tough moments of it because you understand what comes with marriage. And people just love the idea of getting married or the I, or the individual they're marrying that they never understand marriage and they don't love marriage. Because the reason why marriage is failed, because people love getting married, but they don't love sustaining the standards of marriage. The fourth thing that a couple has to do to prepare for marriage is to make sure how are y'all going to budget? How are the finances going to run? Who has stronger skill sets in the finances, etc. So those are four solid things that you have to think about couples in order to prepare for marriage because marriage is a war field and it shouldn't be a war between you and your husband, but you're going to face some, 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 some things because of what marriage represents. Marriage represents Christ and the church. And the devil doesn't want a solid marriage being a beacon of light in a world that's confused about marriage. So allow the Holy Spirit to infuse into the both of you all so that you guys won't be confused in marriage and then end up destroyed and divorced. Hope they help. Newbie and Soul Child says, any advice for feeling alone? I literally talk to no one in my family besides my parents and younger siblings. I don't communicate with my cousins or any other family member. Let me see where you at. Uh, and I feel depressed because I'm often by myself. Thanks in advance. Let's break this down layer by layer. Any advice for feeling alone? Well, the goal with dealing with being alone is to realize that you're not alone. I told my students last night, I said, it's amazing, the supernatural work of God's omnipresence. 
that God is standing in front of each and every one of us, giving each and every one of us his undivided attention without distraction. That God isn't saying, okay, hold up, Josh. I got to go talk to Nubian Chow real quick. I'll be back. Maybe I can schedule in next week sometime. No, God said, I'm 100% present in everyone's presence, fully giving my undivided attention. And so when I realize that God ain't busy somewhere and I realize that God is near and that God is here, then my friend, I'm never alone. Honestly, some of the best times is being alone with God. Often Jesus went off to go pray. Often Jesus went to be alone. If he didn't, he wouldn't have that much power to go alongside the purpose that the father had for him. So when you feel like you're alone, then you're not really, you have yet to process the facts of you being alone. You're not alone. You may be alone from human touch and human presence, but there's a divine presence there. And if you cannot fully embrace the divine presence of God and being alone with him, then you're not going to be able to be alongside someone else. If you can't handle being alone, you can't, you won't be able to handle being alongside because nobody wants a needy, can't be by themselves individual in America. They can't. That's going to be too much. You have to have your own individual original aloneness about yourself that will be able to give breathable, balanced room within the marriage so there won't be no neediness. Right? He says, I literally talk to no one in my family besides my parents and younger siblings. I don't communicate with my cousins or any other family members. I feel depressed because I'm often by myself. Then my question to you is, to you, my friend, is do you love yourself? See, what, I didn't always love myself growing up. I, I was picked on a lot, man. I got called all kind of names, man. And, 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 I, and I didn't really connect with people. And, and I was already introverted, but and none of my giftings were celebrated. So I know all these feelings. I was alone and didn't like it until one day I got older and I realized that, man, when I really spend time with God, there's there's this unique synergy, this creativity, this, 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 this peace that surpasses all understanding. And I began to really begin to like myself and love myself. And because I was fully myself in him, rawness and anger and all these different feelings. And I began to feel those feelings subside because I was in the presence of God. And it was just a unique experience, amazing experience that I tap into often that keeps me from needing anyone. Right? Because if you need someone, you have to feed that one. And that person may call you, may cause you not to have what you need. So you're depressed because you're trying to impress. Anytime you overly aim to impress anyone or anything, you setting yourself up to be depressed. Or there's a deep thing pressing up on you, causing you to be depressed. And you got to lift that. You got to allow the Holy Spirit to lift that load up off of you by renewing your mind about, number one, that you're not alone, that God is there. Number two, see God for who he really is and begin to realize that nobody in the world comes close to being close to God. And number three, you got to say, hey, man, I got to start loving myself because sometimes if some of the best love that can be given is when you give it to yourself. And taking care of yourself and enjoying that time alone. Because my friend, when you get married, that time is cut in half. You have a kid, that last, that half of the time you have left, that time's cut in half. <clears throat> so count your blessings. And, 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 and what's wrong with talking to your family? What's wrong with your parents? What's wrong with your younger siblings? Or is it that you just like, man, I kind of wish that I had a little someone else 
you know, with me to help me through this. But you, if you can't navigate with God, then my friend, you won't be able to navigate with anyone. Hope to help. Uh, let's see. Make sure I didn't skip anybody. <clears throat> Jonah says, how to handle stress and rejection at work and in dating? Great question. Great question. Jonah says, how to handle stress and rejection at work and in dating? Well, stress comes when there is an area in my life that's not settled in God. It is through rest that we become our best and do what's best. Stress causes us not to be able to perform at our best selves, therefore not giving out our best, right? So how do you handle stress? You got to see the things that you're trying to handle that only God can handle. The reason why we're stressing, because we're handling something that we can't handle or we're trying to handle it. For instance, you can't handle the future like God can the future because only God can hand you the future. And a lot of us trying to handle and try to take control over something and it's wearing us out. Do you know that there, there we were not we were not built by God to carry certain cares. That's why the Bible says, cast your cares on God for he cares for you. And when you know that God cares for you, it's easy to cast your cares. The reason why we don't cast our cares, because we don't believe that God cares about what we care about. But God cares way more about what you care about than you care about. It's just that he knows that you're not at, a, at the capacity to carry it. And no good God, no good father is going to put on your shoulders what he knows that you can't carry. And when you understand his loving kindness and you understand that he cares for you, then you'll be able to say, you know what? If, if, if God knows that I'm not at the place to carry it and I already know that he cares for me, then I can cast my cares. But when you don't cast your cares and you carry those cares, you wear yourself out. Stress is just a byproduct of wearing ourselves out from the mentality that says that I can handle this and you can't. So stress at work means that, hey, work unto the Lord and he'll supernaturally sustain you. And when God sees that that job is not is stressing you, wearing you out, God will provide another job. But you work into the Lord. And then you learn how to manage your time, manage your emotions, manage your energy so that you can effectively operate at your job at a level of excellence where you are rejuvenated and sustained. Now, when it comes to stressing and dating, you can't stress about that. See, I believe in arranged marriages. I believe in a God arranging marriages. See, you think and we think we know what's best when God has the best. We think, but God has. We think that we think we know what's best for us. God actually has what's best for us. So I let God do the arranging because God arranged my marriage and I'm so glad that he did. And when you when you allow him to arrange, you don't have to worry about being deranged, whatever the word is. Now, rejection. Listen, most rejection is for your protection. Most, I said most, because some of us deserve to be rejected. <laughs> That's right. I said it. A lot of us deserve to be rejected. That person rejected you because you weren't projecting to that individual worth being uh, uh, connected to. Some people were rejected because we're not our best self. We're not projecting our best self. So we get rejected. A man of God is going to reject a woman who ain't measuring up. A woman of God is going to reject a man that doesn't measure up. Because if you don't measure up, then you're going to cause me not to measure up. And I won't be able to receive in full measure what God wants to give me in full measure. 
So some rejection is important. And sometimes when you're rejected, you can't look at the person that rejected you. You got to look at the person that was rejected and see if the rejection was necessary. And so if you are rejected and you know you, you're not projecting what that person desires to have, then my friend, rejection is inevitable. But if you're rejected and you are projecting what's best and what's better for that person, they look at it as protection because sometimes we're good. We're too good for the things that we want. On the flip side, we're too good for the things that we want. And some of us, we're, God is God allowed that rejection to happen, allowed that person to, to leave you because God hardened their heart and blinded their eyes so they won't come as a disguise to rob you of everything that you have. So how do you handle rejection? Self-examination. First, you got to, I talk, I helped someone coach, I coached this person through this other day. I said, you got to look at the rejected, you know, you got to look at the rejector, the person rejected you. You got to look at the rejection and you got to look at the person rejected. In order to handle rejection, examine all three. First thing, examine the rejector. Who rejected you? Are they qualified? Are they solidified? Or have they maximized? Some people reject you because of ignorance, because they can't see. Like, 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 for instance, if a person goes to a yard sale and they see a they see a painting for sale, and five other people rejected that painting, but one person comes by and knows the value of that painting, bought the painting for five dollars, but it's worth five million. Whose fault is it? The person who knew and perceived the value understands the value of it. Everybody else rejected it because they couldn't perceive the value. So stop feeling bad feelings for people who can't discern, people who can't see what's good for them. And some people, they just want sex. They just want your time. They just want whatever you provide, but they don't want you. And God's allowing you to be rejected for your protection. One day, somebody going to roll up, come by you and be like, yo. You still out here on the market? You single? And they be like, man, I got what it takes to afford you. I got what it takes. You don't want nobody that can afford you. You want someone that can afford the maintenance of you. Mm, I'm preaching now. Some people, all they got is what they can get you. They can get your attention. They can get your eye. They can get you out to eat. But can they maintain? Like, I have to pay maintenance fees in my marriage. Like, I got to maintain my wife. I got to give her hugs more. I got to do things more because that's maintenance. I just can't rest in my laurels and be like, I got my wife and I just rest. No, there's maintenance fees coming around. <laughs> so what I'm saying? So sometimes rejection is for your protection. Sometimes rejection is a lack of projection. And, and people reject you because, hey, it is what it is. And, and you don't measure up. And you have to take that, swallow that pill, and then go up the hill and become a better person. Hope they help. Cataligo says, watching from Botswana. We glad that you're watching, my friend. Thank you. Aries says, hey, coach, can you put this scripture in its proper context where God states it is not good for man to be alone? Great question. So right now, let's, peer, let's pierce into the moment where Adam is naming the animals. Adam was on assignment and he was naming the animals. And while he was naming the animals, it came to the end of the naming and he began to realize he didn't have anyone either. It was at that moment where God said, it's no longer good for Adam to be alone anymore. That proves that there was a period where it was good for Adam to be alone because if Eve was there, half the animals wouldn't have been named. 
Let's just keep it real. Because the way God made Eve, you saw how Adam fell. Eve must have been built well, okay? She didn't have to go to Dior. She didn't have to go to all them countries down there to get anything. God built God built it the way he built it. And if he would have gave Eve, if he would have gave Adam Eve prematurely, will we even know the names of the kangaroos? Will, will there be zebras? Will there, will we, there'll be a bunch of nameless animals. So it was good for Adam to be alone because he was able to focus on his assignment. And then when his assistant came, then the activity that he just did, he did over Eve. Flesh in my flesh, bone in my bone. Right? Then, so now he went from naming animals to accurately naming his spouse. And so what it says here is that it is good for you to be alone. Because if you are alongside someone and you haven't been alone and wrestled through the feelings of being alone and maturated beyond the place of aloneness where you now can be alongside someone, then my friend, you're going to sabotage the assistant. Because what can that person assist you with? See, the Holy Spirit is supposed to assist in our development so that we can assist in 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 the beauty of marriage and, and and all that good stuff so it's not it wasn't good for him to be alone anymore because he finished his assignment and now it was time to level up that is that he cannot function in greater purposes without the other see you can name some animals by yourself but you can't tend a garden by yourself and then obviously the flip side of that adam got so caught up in the assistant that he forgot his assignment and then now look where we are today so it's not good. It's not good for man to be alone in, in double in two ways. It's not good for a person to be alone. So that means a person has to realize that they're never alone. They have God. But it's also good for some of us to be alone because we got to be alone ourselves because we got some toxic ways. We're we're, we're not good to be alongside uh, uh, another person, alongside uh, so people to support your vision and dreams and entrepreneurial endeavors. So we got to be alone and learn and, and, and struggle with the assignments and the tr tests and trials so that we can actually last a while. Hope that maybe we got a lot more questions. Uh, Jonas says, I have a coworker where I feel very uncomfortable around her. Her presence is very uncomfortable for me. What should I do? She loves to argue a lot and she drains my energy only with her presence. I want to stop that. Well, my friend, don't give her attention. If you give demons attention, they'll drain you through that attention. See, they call it pay attention for a reason because you're paying something. You're paying your energy. You're paying your focus. You're paying your time. So when you look at your attention as currency, then the best way to avoid that attention from being uh, 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 drained is to give that thing you're uh, uh, ignoring. The best thing you can do is ignore it. Like you know what I'm saying? So what you got to do is obviously she knows it affects you. And even if she doesn't know that it affects you, that demon knows that it affects you. So what you do is be comfortable in your presence, tap into a presence of joy and allow your presence to make those demons uncomfortable. See, those demons must be very comfortable with you because they know they get into you. So the best way to make those demons uncomfortable and for them to leave you alone is to tap into a higher presence, which is God's joy for you. And when you in God's joy, they don't really Got, they don't they won't toy with you when you in God's joy they won't toy with you and so what you got to do every morning is not dread going to work because then they'll uh, cause your emotions to be dead at work your energy to be dead at work because you dread to go to work first off cut on some worship music tap in that presence it's going to be a lovely day a lovely day it's going to be a great day this is the day the Lord has made go in that day strong 
and say, I'm not going to allow whatever's on that woman to affect me. And then watch when you tap into that consistently, that person won't even talk to you. That person won't even bother you no more. So you cannot allow your mind to dread it because those demons, demons are going to feed off of that. And they're going to keep draining you and then they're going to make you very uncomfortable. But you got to be comfortable in God's presence everywhere. So no matter where you are, demons have to be far. Hope they Ah, Time for two more and, I, and I'm going to go. Uh, Aries says, also, when you're single and dating, that does not mean to participate in voluntary sin. Yeah, you don't want to be out there fornicating and being sexually immoral. Yeah, you can't. You can't win and sin at the same time. You can win at sinning, but you can't win at winning. And so I'm telling you from experience, man, when you wait until you marry, even if after you done messed up, if you wait until you marry, I promise you, like when you get into marriage, you have a clear uh, understanding of what, what you're involved in. Because let me tell you something, man, all these people having sex in their singleness, bro, you're messing your mind up for marriage because marriage ain't sexualized like that. Like marriage ain't filled with all that sex and all that kind of stuff because people are busy at being a wife. People are focused on being a husband. And y'all got, when you get married, you have to plan for sex. You have to, you have to do all that kind of stuff at that level. And if you over there clapping cheeks all day in your singleness and you having sex in your singleness and you doing all that in your singleness, then my friend, you're going to have false expectations in your marriage. And then all of a sudden men can't win as husbands because of their expectations and their experiences has clouded their judgment and now they can't properly engage with a wife because they've been engaging with porn stars on tv screens and computer screens and phone screens and now when there's a wife on scene that wife is trying to be a wife now that man is is I'm, I'm, I'm stifled from what i need no you fed yourself too much of your desired need for that and now you have no patience you have no understanding you have no empathy because all you focus on be having your stuff emptied and vice versa for women too and so if you you got to volunteer in things that will have you go far in life and those things only complicate because when you practice benefits without first meeting the requirements you will never meet the requirements of marriage and therefore you'll be wasting and never receiving the benefits that you truly desire Great question. Jody Summer says, how long do you wait for someone to change their ways for breaking off? You, you... I got you. Give me one second. Some some questions, you know, anyway, how long do you wait for someone to change their ways before breaking off a relationship or marriage? Now, there's two things there, relationship. So when you break off, like, listen, if you just in a relationship and, and, they're, and they're taking a long time to change their ways, then it's time for y'all to break up. If, the, if things ain't breaking off, then y'all need to break up. And sometimes we have to ask God for the gift of forecasting, the gift of discernment. We have to start asking God, yo, yo, let give me some predictability. Is this person going to change eventually? Because I'm going to tell you something. God is not going to bring you someone that's not prepared. It's a big difference between perfect and prepared. No one's going to come to you perfect. Everybody's got going to have work to do. Like I'm still working on stuff. My wife's still working on stuff. But we're prepared to function at a high level. In, at, at, at marriage, of being a husband and wife. But we're all preparing. We're still getting better at something. But if a person is not prepared, then how can y'all succeed? And if they're if they're waiting to for things to break off, that, that's actually going to be used to break the marriage, then my friend, it's time to break up before you're broken up. See, it's, 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 it's wise for you to break up before you're broken up. 
See, some of us, we, we, we see the warning signs that you should break up, but you don't break up. And then because you didn't break up, now you're broken up. And now what pieces you could have kept intact is now broken everywhere because you didn't break up when the warning signs. If they come to you before they go to Jesus, my friend, please leave them alone because you ain't qualified. You ain't a doctor to heal them on the inside. You're not. And so you don't got time to wait because time is life. And so that's a relationship. If you're in marriage, man, hey, man, that's what you signed up for. And you have to be gracious, understanding, empathetic, and work on that thing. Now, some of some people are in marriages right now where now you signed up, family. You signed up for it. Now you're with that person. Now you're asking for God's grace and mercy. And that's just how it is. But I'm warning all those single people, man, don't ignore those red flags. Come in through the gate with your non-negotiables. Come in through the gate with your standards, your values, and your morals so that you'll see if this person is, is, is built for what you're trying to build. Gotta go, y'all. Love y'all so much. Let me see what I got left before I get up out of here. Uh, man, maybe one or two more. PTL says, how do you find your craft? I want to find a godly pursuit outside of my job. Like how you write books, etc. Great question. How do you find your craft? Don't be in witchcraft, number one. Secondly, you got to spend time crafting with God. And what I mean by that, you got to come to the presence of God with a blank sheet of paper, with a blank uh, uh, time limit, and just say, God, I'm just going to create with you, right? And begin to sense inside of yourself your natural, raw giftings and talents and whatever. And begin to vibe with God. Begin to create with God. Begin as a writer like myself, as a speaker, I just talk scriptures out. I just talk from my spirit. I talk from who I am. See, the Bible says, Jesus Jesus said, my father is looking for worshipers, true worshipers who worship me from spirit and in truth. We got to get out of the out of the body realm, out of the soul realm and get to the spirit, the spirit that's illuminated by the Holy Spirit and begin to create from the core of us because that's where everything is. So all the stuff that you were supposed to do is inside of you and you got to vibe with God. But none of those things will take off and really flourish if you are not nourished. They can't flourish if you're not nourished. Nourished. So you got to be nourishing yourself and through fellowship with God. And then through that nourishment, then there'll be guidance. Through that nourishment, then there'll be flourishment. And then you'll be able to say, man, I know exactly what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. I know exactly what I should do. And it'll be a river inside of you. It'd be like, do this, do that, and it's clicking. Boom, boom, boom. Man, for instance, when I get when I get a notebook with God and I'm vibing with God, it's autopilot for me now. Like I can get stuff boop, 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 real quick in a matter of two or three minutes with God because we built that, right? But <clears throat> I know when the download happens, when the Holy Spirit like bloop, bloop, and I feel that upload. <clears throat> that, see, I don't call it a download because I have the Holy Spirit in me. It's an upload. It's uploaded. Because the fullness of the Godhead is in me. And when it uploads, I know, uh-oh, I got to get to it. That's what God wants me to write. That's what God wants me to do. But that comes from nourishment. That comes from fellowship. That comes from spending time, investing time to get to that clickly clackly level with God where it's like boom, 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 and you're doing it, right? right? You all said, I want to find a godly pursuit out of my job. What is inside of you? You said like how you write books. So if you want to write a book, that's what you do. Who do you have a passion for? Who do you have a desire to help? Like, like, what are your giftings and skills are? 
What is a need? That, what's a, what's a, what's your testimony? What test have you passed that you can help people pass the test of? And then begin to say, Holy Spirit, what book you want me to write? And then my friend, Holy Spirit, will write through you, my friend. And if you're looking, man, if you really want to, hey, man, coach, I want to find and fulfill my purpose at a high level. I want to pivot. Man, check out my website, mycoachjosh.com forward slash. I think it's coaching. Let me make sure I'm giving you all the right links. Um, coaching programs. Here we go. If you really say, hey, man, I want to learn this and, and do it at a high level. And all those links are in my description box. All the links, everything's there. I changed my links up. Description box or in the comment section below. If you really want to find out how to maximize your purpose. I think it's called, oh, yeah, it's Purpose Mastery. Let me uh, send you all that link. Purpose Mastery link right here. I'll go ahead and send that to you all as well. But purpose is in you, my friend. That's just how I rock with God, man. And rocking with God all these different years for him being my rock in my life, man. Then no matter what, whatever he wants me to do, I'm rocking with it and, and we, we get it done. Holy Spirit said, that's it. So whatever reason, I got to go. Love y'all. Thank y'all so much for joining me and trusting me with y'all's questions. I pray y'all was blessed by it. Thank y'all so much. Check out these books here. My latest book, Multipurpose, How to Find and Fulfill Your Purposes uh, in Life. This book will be a great resource for your life. We also got merch called Well Done as a motivational uh, shirt to keep you focused and to position to hear Well Done from God. If you're also struggling with uh, uh, soul ties and strongholds and you want to be set free, this book, The Purpose of Freedom, will be a great resource for you. If you're looking for a resource to help you discern what's in front of you, see if it's a counterfeit or a counterpart, this book, Counterfeit or Counterpart, will be a great resource for you. If you're looking for a book to help you hold things better so that you want mismanage or squander things. This book, The Whole Journal, will be a great resource for you. If you want to better understand the purpose of your singleness so that you'll know how to maximize and mingleness, then this book, The Purpose of Singles, will be a great resource for you. If you're looking for a tool to help you date the love of your life forever and for those who are single, position yourself to ask the right questions and make sure if you're dating someone to make sure you're on the same page, this book, Dating Prep, will be a great resource for you. If you're struggling with spiritual warfare and you want to better understand the whole armor of God, this book, World War Me, will be a great resource for you. If you have young people, you want them to find their art and a God-giving purpose. This book, uh, as he says, as is for the students I serve, be a great resource for you. We also got other merch. You can check all those resource materials in my website, uh, mycoachjosh.com. Links in the description box. Links in the comments section. I love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Peace.